I'm just going to take the opportunity, just to 30 seconds, hopefully, to let you know where we're going over the next few weeks. So just by way of recap, those who were here, just on the Sunday before New Year's, we did a bit of a reflection, uh, a theological, practical, theological kind of reflection on 2018. And then the last week, we actually, I submitted to you a whole bunch of items that you should and could consider as uh, New Year's resolutions. And I suggested to you that the best New Year's resolution you could pick is one that God's committed to bringing about in your life. Amen? It is the best. You're on a surefire winner at that point. So we dipped our toe in the water of Romans 12. And we're going to dip our toe in the water of Romans 12 again uh, today. And then the next three weeks, Diff is going to speak. All right? So next uh, Sunday and the Sunday after... Uh, I'm basically going to be AWOL, doing restoration group stuff. If you're kind of going, Peter, you need to preach a bit more, you're a bit lazy, I'm actually going to be preaching about seven messages between Wednesday and Saturday night, and then the same the following week, okay? So you can pray for me and for those who have to listen to me. People often come up and say, how did it go? And you just go, well, man, don't ask me, I thought it was great. Uh, so just going to be preaching and what he's going to be preaching on is we just want to kind of tool you up with some good thinking about some ethical issues that have been on the radar and are going to be on the radar. So he's going to speak on abortion one Sunday. He's then going to speak on euthanasia another Sunday. Unless we put a gun in your hand and you go around and start shooting people, the third Sunday we're going to, he's going to talk about how to talk about these things in a winsome way. Uh, Ravi Zacharias used to quote this Indian proverb, that goes like this, there's no point after you've cut someone's nose off giving them a rose to smell. And it's pretty true. That is the reality of the way that a lot of Christians actually handle ethical issues. It's like, we'll cut your nose off and then here's Jesus. And by that point in time, they're not that interested in it. So uh, we need to be able to handle the truth in a winsome, helpful, persuasive way, not in an, in an offensive way. So that's going to be the third week. And then the next one after that is stakeholders which should, should be great most of the best bits and the hardest bits of 2019 are going to come from one particular place you can narrow it down relationships it just will relationships most of the good the enjoyable and the hard bits this year are going to come out of the relationships that you have. And as I said a little while ago, I suggested a little while ago, uh, last week, about the kinds of New Year's resolutions that you should pick. And this week, we just want to look at the second part of Romans chapter 12, because the encouragements in the second part of Romans chapter 12, the section that we're looking at, are actually all about the way that you deal with other people. And uh, we want to do that well. And there's ways that you can deal with other people that are going to help things to go well uh, relationally this year. So if you've got your Bible with you, I'd love you to open up to Romans 12. If you don't, there's heaps of Bibles up the back. You can sneak, sneak up the back and grab one. love you to follow it along with me as we read it. Romans chapter 12, starting at verse 14. Bless those who persecute you. Bless, do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, 
but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. There's something to post on Facebook. Um, If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink, for, for by so doing you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Here's a bunch of helpful New Year's resolutions for your relationships. Who knows, just off the bat, that if you actually applied all of those things, your relationships would go way better than what they probably do already. You know that, right? I mean, I could sit down. Some of you go, well, do, do it, and let's finish. But no, we're just going to discuss these things a little bit. We'll zip through them really quick. And the, I think the, um, the interesting thing to note here is uh, when the Bible tells you uh, things like this, it's not giving you an option to pick it as a New Year's resolution, saying, go out and do it. Actually, pull this stuff off. It'll, it'll, it'll be good for you to do that. Here's the first one. Bless those who are after you. You got someone who just comes after you? Bless them. Bless them. That's what persecute means. Persecute means someone's pursuing you. Now, it's unlikely in Australia, that you've got the same kind of persecution going on that the early church is experiencing. But it is happening in the world. And there are people that just have a beeline for Christians' necks, in a sense, and they just want to take them out. Maybe you've said something to someone else about Jesus. Maybe someone's verbally abused you, socially ostracised you. I mean, you're here, so no one's killed you yet. (laughs) But that's what was going on in the early church, right? And and the weird thing about this is, here's the biblical principle here written in the early church, which is when someone comes after you, bless them. And we struggle to do it when someone's cranky with your bad driving. Or they tailgate you. Does anyone know what I'm talking about? Or they tailgate you, you just, yeah, you want to bless them with a few choice words. All right? You just do. And it's not even close to the kind of context that Jesus is talking about here. Actually be people that pour out blessing to people that come after you. And that doesn't mean, by the way, letting people do whatever they want. Because if someone's sinning against you by the stuff that they're doing, it's not blessing someone to let them keep sinning. That isn't, like being a doormat is not blessing someone else. What this actually means here is give someone something good. Don't give them bad. And maybe we could even just push it a step further and say it's actually asking God to give someone something good. Can you do that? Can you pray for those who come after you? Pray for their forgiveness, their repentance, seek their good. Now some of you think the good that would be good for you is you fall into my hands and I take you out, all right? But that's not what this is saying. It's like, Seek to do them good. Seek to bless them, to love them. Jesus said this in Luke 6. Love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, pray for those who abuse you. Who knows that's hard? Because you just want to get them <laughs> when people abuse you. It's like, and kids, you need to listen to me. This happens with your brothers and sisters, right? Sometimes your brothers and sisters just keep coming after you and irritating you. And taking your toy for the thousandth time. 
And Jesus says, don't get them. Pray for good. Give them something good. Bless them. Number two, be in the moment with people. Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. You know what this is? This is like get in on it with people. <laughs> Whatever's going on for someone else, get in on it. Like not literally, it would be weird, right? But climb into their shoes. What's it like for them? Just get in, get in on what's going on for them. Learn the language of what someone else is talking about when they're talking about the stuff that's great and the stuff that's hard. If it's hard, like get on the mechanical ball with them. You get what I'm saying? Like you look at them. Have you ever had that? You talk to someone, it's like, man, you're shaking all over the place. There's a bunch of stuff going on in your life, you know? What's Paul saying here? Well, get in on that with them. Feel the shake with them as what, you know, the stuff that's going on in their life. I, um, I'm pretty close to finishing my studies and uh, the only graduation ceremony I've ever been to was my Bachelor of Education. And um, I was saying to a group of, uh, of uh, fellows a little while ago, it's like, I'm going to go to this graduation um, if and when I make it, which is pretty close. And you know what one of them said to me? He goes, I'm going to come with you. He goes, I'm going to celebrate with you. And it was the most amazing blessing to have someone say that to me. You know? It's like, how good is it when people rejoice with those who rejoice and they weep with those who weep? Weep. Let me ask you a question. Which one do you think is harder? To rejoice with those who rejoice or to weep with those who weep? I reckon it's harder to rejoice. Why? Because envy, right? I mean, you can look at someone who's going through, through something really hard, you go, oh man, that's just, that must really be bad being you right now. And your heart goes out to them. It can happen really naturally, but someone who's got something going really good for them that you don't have going for you, oh, that's a whole other story at that point, isn't it? One of the church fathers, Chrysostom, said this, it requires more of a high Christian temper to rejoice with them that do rejoice than to weep with them that weep. For this nature itself fulfills perfectly and there is none so hard-hearted as not to weep over him that is in calamity. But the other requires a very noble soul so as not only to keep from envying but even to feel pleasure with the person who is in esteem. Chrysostom's just saying it's harder. It's harder to rejoice. What a blessing it is when we do. And you know what? Sometimes in the church, you are just going to need to be able to step really quick, quickly from rejoicing to weeping and weeping to rejoicing. Does anyone know that? Because in your life, you have to do that. I mean, Paul talked about sorrowful yet always rejoicing. You just got to get in your head that life, most of the time, is going to have sorrow and joy running side by side. And that will be the case in the church. You'll have a chat to someone. It'll be really sad. You'll need to weep with them. And then you'll have a chat with someone and it's all going off, you know, and it's going really well and you need to rejoice with them. We just, I just think it's good for us to get used to being able to rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep as quickly as we need to change over. When I first started teaching, a, uh, a wise older teacher came up to me. It was my first year of teaching and uh, he said to me, <laughs> he said, one of the best things you can do in the classroom when a kid's doing the wrong thing is to rip it through the kid and then turn around and make a joke to the guy sitting next to him. Now, it sounds a bit twisted, right? 
But there is something about it that is actually, that, that actually and I noticed it actually worked in the classroom because if you ripped it through one and you're in a bad mood with everyone else, it just affected everything. But if you ripped it through the one that was doing the wrong thing and then you were able to turn around and just be with someone in a totally different way, it's a, it, it's a very, very valuable skill I found as a teacher to have. And I think it's a good skill for us in the church, not to be two-faced, I'm not saying to be two-faced, but let's just do well at being with people. When things are really hard for them, let's be with them right in the middle of that. And if two minutes later I'm talking to someone else and something really great is going on, let's try and be with them in that as well. Amen? Not saying it's easy, and I, I, think, I think that's the reality of living in a fallen world, is it's, it's pretty complicated sometimes. But let's get good at doing that. Here's number three. Treasure unity. Is what Paul says, live in harmony with one another. Here's a good objective for 2019 for you. Agree with people. And you, you're probably sitting there going, yeah, like, what's next? That's the look on your faces right now, like, what's next? It's like, no, just agree with people. Do, do you not think, like, is anyone here on Facebook just know that people love to disagree and be opinionated and create division? Has anyone noticed that? So just agree with people. When you can agree with them, agree with them. Value unity and being of one mind. I think... One of the classic things that happens with unity is um, you have some unity for a little while and people start doing dumb things that create disunity. People, when they get into peacetime, can make weird decisions. Wartime has a way, or trouble has a way, of sharpening people's focus and sharpening the way that they make decisions. Sometimes if you've got peace and you've got unity somewhere, you can start making dumb decisions. You can forget how valuable unity is. Psalm 133 verse 1 says, Behold how good and pleasant it is when brothers dwell in unity. Perhaps the value of unity can be measured better when you don't have it than when you do have it. Sometimes you can just forget that you've got something really precious and you can be a little bit foolhardy with what you do with it. Does anyone know what I'm talking about? Let's, let's be people that value unity and lean in the direction of agreement with each other, not wanting to be different or wanting to be opinionated, but let's lean in the direction of agreement with one another and the preservation and protection of unity. Don't be a living selfie. <laughs> don't be a living selfie. Paul says, don't be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. Don't spend time writing your own action. Does anyone notice that when you do that, you just write your own action, you think you're great, you get haughty and proud, it, it's great for relationships. Has anyone noticed that? It's like, yeah, that's just going to bring us together. It's going to be really, really good. I mean, even in Australia, right, you start rating yourself for too long and too loudly and you'll have a whole line of people coming after you to cut you down to size, right, the whole tall poppy syndrome. You know what um, the sense of the word here of associating with the lonely, sorry, the lowly is? The sense of the word here is uh, be prepared to associate with people who do menial work. Be prepared to do menial work. And don't, don't go, oh, I'm better than that. My education's better than that. I shouldn't be doing this. There should be someone else that should come along and do this. 
folks, every one of you that love Jesus, nothing is below you. Nothing's below you. I worked uh, in the Coorong Warehouse in Sydney um, on my holidays while I was going through uni, actually, for about four years. And um, I remember this one time, they only ever gave, I only ever got to work when there was work there. So I rang them up this time, I said, have you got any work for me? You know, because you almost spend less time at uni than you actually go to uni and you want to actually make some coin while you're, while you're not going to uni. And they said, we kind of do. I said, what do, you, well, what do you mean? They said, well, if you're prepared to come to the warehouse and clean every single toilet in the warehouse, you'll have some work. It was a warehouse. Uh, I'm not going into details, but it was a warehouse full of blokes. I know, yeah, maybe that's too much detail already. <laughs> yeah, I did. I got suited up in a NASA suit. I did, I, I did it, I said, yeah, I'll do it. So I came in, I spent the first half an hour cleaning toilets in the warehouse. And it's okay. And I just want to say to you, if you love Jesus, cleaning toilets is not below you. It doesn't matter what your education is, it doesn't matter what your position is. You can do the most menial job and you ought to be prepared to do the most menial job. I, uh, a commentator I was reading this week um, Write this, the person who is wise in their own eyes is rarely so in the eyes of others. <laughs> you know, we get wise in our own eyes, we become a living selfie, and uh, we end up in a weird place of self-deception, self-focus. It's a weird thing that when we think we're really wise and we're really smart and we're really great, that we've actually become really foolish and stupid at that point. And everyone else can see it. Does anyone know what I'm talking about? You can see it in other people. You just go, you've just turned into a fool. But you think you're great because you just get tricked in it. You know, when you focus on yourself, you don't see yourself clearly. You see yourself clearly by being focused on God. Number five, don't get even. Repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to what is honourable in the sight of all. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. How many people does Paul say you can repay evil to? None. <laughs> like no one. Like you can't, you're not, it's kind of like, don't do it to anyone. Don't repay evil to anyone. And don't say things like, I'm not going to stoop down to the le- their level by saying the things that they said. Have you ever thought that? you ever heard people say that? I'm not going to stoop down to their level. In saying that, you've kind of stooped down to their level. You know, most of my life in the church, when I've heard people talk about forgiveness, I've rarely ever heard people talk about God avenging and God being a God of justice in that particular context. And there's, that's, there's, that's probably an overemphasis that is probably more helpful than having an overemphasis on justice. Because the human deal is we just want to go after justice, right? We just want to get after stuff. We want to stop this evil thing that's happening, especially when it happens to us. And we want to go after it. We'll pay back evil for evil. We want to make sure that justice and wrong does not go unpunished. And there's, there's something about that that is good because the things that do happen to you matter 
The things that happen to me matter. People sin against each other and hurt each other in some deep, harmful ways. What that person did to you really was wrong. But even in our culture, you know that good justice... It's a whole other debate, but even in our culture, you know that the principles of justice are that the person who's been hurt is not the person who's the judge. Why? Because there's always interest, right? I mean, you see it amongst kids and you see it amongst adults. You want to repay back evil for evil? It's like, I'm not just paying you back for what you defrauded me of. I'm going to add an extra 15% on top of it just so that you'll learn not to do it again to me. You know, in a sense, when it comes to wrongdoing, we could overemphasize justice and only talk about that and miss out on forgiveness. And when you miss out on forgiveness, one of the things that you miss out on is you miss out on the realization that you're a sinner as well. One of the things that happens when someone else sins against you and you get all wound up about it and you say, I've got to stop this, and you want to give them, you want to get back at them and, and, and just get some revenge on them. Is in the process of all of that, just a blindness descends over your eyes to your own failures and the ways that you've done things to other people. We overemphasize forgiveness and don't talk about justice. We end up with things, just feels like things are permissible. Anyone can do whatever they want. But folks, the good news today is that God is a God of forgiveness and justice. Evil really does get punished. And it will be punished. And it will be punished justly. And evildoers will get forgiveness. The ones who have done the wrong that deserves to be punished will get punished. They will either bear the punishment for the wrongdoing that they've done or Jesus will take their wrongdoing and he will bear their punishment. Either way, people get forgiveness and wrongdoing gets justice. Is that good news? It is good news. What about this one? Be likeable. If possible, Paul writes, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Who knows that some people deserve to be persecuted? (laughs) They're just not nice people. It's tongue-in-cheek a little bit, right? And there's actually some Christians who are not very nice people who blame Jesus for their not being very nice. It's like I've got an offensive message and so they feel like they can just go out and be offensive with an offensive message. When you've got to remember that the people who were sinners hung out with Jesus. He was the friend of sinners, right? Paul wants everyone to do whatever they can to preserve peace. And who knows that's hard? Because people are irritating. Has anyone noticed that? People are irritating. Especially people who haven't been changed by Jesus. Anyone work in a workplace where there's irritating people who haven't been changed by Jesus? Anyone live in a family where there's irritating people who've still got some work that Jesus needs to do in their lives? Jeez, you guys got perfect families. (laughs) Kids, you ever annoy your brother or your sister because it's fun? Do they ever annoy you because it's fun? (laughs) 
I used to teach with someone at the uh, school here who used to love a good argument. And you'd get in this argument, this debate with him, and he'd basically get to the end of the argument or the debate 30, 60 minutes later, and he'd come out and tell you he didn't even agree with most of the stuff that he said. He just liked having a debate. It's just like, let's, can we not just live peaceably with all? Can we not just do that? Here's where I want to finish. Let good be your weapon of choice. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. For by so doing, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. I want you to be careful with this one a little bit. All right? Now, the, the way that I've heard this text interpreted before doesn't really fit with the flow of the passage, right? Because Paul's talking about being loving and blessing people. The way that I've heard it interpreted before is one way to really get at people and to get back at them is do something good so they feel really bad about it. Now, does that seem to you to fit the passage that we've just read? I don't think it does. Now, commentators are a little bit unsure about exactly what this means. And I could go into the details of that, but I'm not because we want to go shorter today. The big idea here, I think, coming out of this is you doing good to someone is meant to bring about change in their life. That's a big idea. What the burning coal thing on their head is, um, we can just leave that for another time. But the big idea about the burning coals on the head thing is it's you doing good to people is meant to bring about change in it. Okay? It's not ultimately, I don't think, meant to bring about pain in them, but bring about change in them. All right? One commentator said this, that the coals of fire are symbolic of the change in behaviour that results from a deed of love. Now let me ask you this question. Would you like there to be less evil in the world? Would you? Yeah, okay. Now, you've got to be careful with your answer on that one. Would you like there to be less evil in the world? Because it's going to require something of you and it'll require something of me. You know, the age-old debate has been uh, about how does a good and loving God allow there to be evil in the world? And people have said to me over the years, why doesn't God just get rid of the evil? And one of the things I used to say to them, well, it depends on how much you want him to get rid of. Because if you want him to get rid of all of it, he's going to need to get rid of you. True? He just has to, because we are all, we contribute to the problem. And if you want him to get rid of all of it, he's got to get rid of all of us. Now, one commentator said this. He said, evil must not be allowed to triumph. He said this about what Paul's saying here. That, that is absolutely true. Like, your mission statement for this year is to not let evil triumph. Don't let it win. And I want to give you some good news. Good wins in the end. You know why? Because the atomic center of everything that exists is God himself and he is good. Amen? And he's not going away and no one's going to be able to beat him. So he wins. And on top of that, Jesus came, he died on the cross and he he just paved the way for good to win. Now, It brings us down to this question. All right, so if good wins, there's hope. Jesus died on the cross. God's good. He's the center of everything. We know that good is going to win. 
how do you actually counter evil? Now, you're all, you're all going, yeah, it's, it's really clear. It's, it's on the screen, Peter, right? But we're not just talking about what's in the scriptures. We're talking about what we actually live out. I've noticed something about kids. I've noticed that with kids, one of them will go up and steal another one's toy. Or they'll go up and they'll say something rude to them. Or they'll go up and they'll hit the other kid. And what does the other kid do? Just hit them back. Hit them back. That's what you do. Or you take their toy, plus a couple of others. Or you say something about them that's rude. And I don't think adults are that much different a lot of the time, are they? Maybe we're a little bit more sneaky, but we're not, we're not really that much different. You feel that impulse inside of you. Someone does something bad or evil to you, and it's just like, I'm going to get you back. I'm coming for you. It's like, get up your loins and start running, because I'm coming. Well, let's just do some simple maths here. Here's, here's a mass. Evil plus evil. So if someone does something evil... And then you do something evil back, what have you got? You got more evil. Are you doing okay? Oh, it's straightforward, right? Straightforward. Simple maths. You want to get more evil? What you do is someone does something evil to you and you do something evil back. Let me tell you about gospel mass. Gospel mass is good news mass. It's, it's Jesus' maths, right? Evil plus good equals good. Evil plus evil equals every single time. Every single time. Because you know what happens is, um, and, and this is the way it works, it's kind of like a Hollywood film, right? You're just doing your thing, right? Whatever it is, you might be at work, you might be at home, someone comes along and they say or they do something that's bad and that's wrong to you, right? There's your first bit of evil. Now, if your next step is that you've got to get them back, and that's the main thing that you're going to do. You know what's just happened? Is that evil that got done to you has just taken control of you. It's just taken control of you and you give them a serve back and it equals more evil every time. Evil wins. Alternatively, evil plus good equals good. Now, don't become a vigilante. I have the music team come up. Don't become a vigilante who's overwhelmed by evil that other people have done and just has to get people back, to pay them back for what they did, to, to not rest until you give them their just desserts, their comeuppance. Let me tell you about something. Good is an evil airbag. You with me? Every time. You want to stop evil from replicating and echoing down through decades of history, maybe in families or at work, you want to stop evil's progress, you don't stop it by being evil yourself. You don't stop it by taking revenge. You don't stop it by avenging. 
Evil cannot stand against good. <laughs> Just can't. Evil, sorry, good is evil's kryptonite. That's what it is. Now, I don't want to do any dishonor at all to Jesus, but you know what Jesus did on the cross is he's on the cross and he is the ultimate evil airbag, isn't he? Like he just stops it and it doesn't ricochet. It doesn't echo down through the ages. He, as a dull thud in the person of Christ, hanging on a cross for every single person's sin. He doesn't repeat it. He absorbs it. Jesus is an amazing evil absorber. Amazing. So, we are quickly going to have communion today. It's appropriate for us to have communion today because everything that I've talked about today, blessing those who are after you and persecuting you, being in the moment with people, treasuring unity, humility, not getting even, being likeable. I mean, you can go through and you can list them all. That is exactly what Jesus was, isn't it? That's exactly what Jesus was for you. And we get to have communion today. And communion is you actually identifying with the death of Christ on your behalf. We uh, often say at the project here that uh, communion's a uh, sacrament. There's an intermingling of the physical and the spiritual as we take it today. And as you take it today, think about everything that Christ has done for you. He broke the deadlock for you. There's no future in people just going at each other. He broke the deadlock by putting his life on the line. Think about the way that he deals with you relationally. He doesn't angrily give you a backhander every time you do something that offends him. He's made peace with you. He's been great for you. <laughs> and today I might just invite the guys who've got the trays to come down the front. I'd love for you to come out. I'll just get the worship team to play the last song. You can... You'll be able to come forward while the last song's playing. We'll do it a little bit differently today. We're not going to eat together. You just come forward and take it. Make sure that you pray. You talk to Jesus. You thank him for the way that he's, uh, he's taken the hit for you so that you can be close to him, so that you can see him for who he is, so that you can be free and not live under guilt and condemnation. Maybe give thanks to him, even if, if you want to, you can have Romans 12 open in front of you because all the things we've just looked at are the ways that Jesus deals with you. You can look at those things and just enjoy that. And as you, um, as you take the bread and as you take the juice, as those uh, as two elements actually become intimately part of your body, invite Christ again to be intimately involved with every little cell of your life. Amen? Just invite him in deep. Let the physicality of it lead you into the spirituality of it, that he wants to be ridiculously close to you. He's taken the hit for you, the, 
the broken body and the blood poured out. Why don't you stand and I'll pray. Jesus, we, uh, I'm really good at just paying people back and, um, and avenging and becoming a vigilante and um, making evil ricochet and echo on. And I know, and uh, God, many of us here know how desperately we as humans needed someone to come and break the deadlock. Someone who wouldn't just give someone else a serve when they've done something evil. Someone who wouldn't just add to the existing evil, but would actually diffuse it with good. And Jesus, we see that, we see you doing that uh, so often, just in the story of the three years that you were in ministry, in a sense, in, uh, on the planet here. You did that. You just, you're just diffusing things. And then the ultimate Diffusing happened on the cross. And Jesus, we here today, we stand here, many of us, those of us who know you, and we are living testimony of the power of good over evil. And the ways that you change us, the ways that you change the way that we operate and the way that we treat people, all of those times in the last week when people have treated us badly and we treated them well and we treated them good, it all goes back to you. You started this. We didn't. We, we couldn't do it. We are stuck. And you started something amazing. And you brought back something that was always the case, that good wins good always wins so God I pray today that you just help us to uh, that we wouldn't just feed on a little bit of bread uh, drink a tiny bit of juice but there would be a real sense in which we're feeding on you in our hearts and Jesus we um, we're just sorry because we didn't get everything right this week and there were a bunch of times this week we didn't even want to get everything right. And that's not right. We just thank you for... Um, for your forgiveness. And we ask for it. That you cleanse us and clean us. God, even as people come and take this and they remember the things that they've done wrong, let... Let them cry it in their hearts to you to cleanse them and to forgive them. Amen. Folks, you come out when you're ready. Uh, you can sing the song before or after you have communion. Choose your own adventure. Worthy of every sound we could ever sing. Bless you, brother. Worthy of all the praise we could ever bring. Worthy of every breath we could ever breathe. We live for you. We live for you. 
Jesus, the name above every other name. Jesus, the only one who could ever save. He is worthy of every breath we could ever breathe. We live for you. We live for you. Jesus, the name above every other name. Jesus, the only one who could ever save. Worthy of every breath we could ever breathe. We live for you. We live for you. You are holy. There is no
to those around me. I, uh, I just want to pray a, uh, a blessing over you, a doxology over you. Uh, I wonder if you just stand with me. Uh, we do not have a reluctant or begrudging Saviour. <laughs> Is that true? Have a joyful Saviour, a Saviour who knew what he was doing, a Saviour who felt the weight, and is happy about saving you. <laughs> you need to hear that today. He's happy about saving you. He's happy about you being in his family. Amen? Let me pray. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy. To the only God, our Saviour, through Jesus Christ our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion and authority before all time now and forever. Amen.